Welcome to Sports Talk with R and J. I am Steve Risser along with Justin D'Onofrio. And obviously, we got a, we got a busy show today. I mean, uh, we got a big week in college football. You got two uh, top 10 matchups. Baseball's got news going to the offseason. Uh, obviously, we got week nine in the NFL. That's where we're going to start. But I'll just make a statement just just, to be, just as the show begins. We know, we know last night was a huge night in our country, obviously, with Biden and Trump going at it. Nothing has been decided yet. I'm just going to make this statement. For the next hour and a half, we're just going to give you guys a uh, a, a, a a distraction, talk some sports like we normally do. Obviously, we are aware of the situation that's going on in our country right now between Biden and Trump going at it for the presidency. But for the next hour and a half, we're a sports show, and that's what we're going to stick to for the next hour and a half. So now we're going to start our start, and we're going to start with the trade deadline in the NFL. And uh, it was not a very, very, very quiet NFL trade deadline. I mean, really, there were a lot of rumored moves. Stefan Gilmore was rumored. Will Fuller was rumored. None of those moves ended up happening. So very quiet trade deadline. Trade deadline. Some of the moves were Avery Williams and going to the Steelers. That improves their defense, obviously, with Devin Devin Bush getting hurt. Uh, to the uh, Titans trade for Desmond King gives them another corner. Maybe could help them on third down. That team has had a lot of trouble getting off the field on third down. Uh, the Saints get Quan Alexander. That that really improves their front seven. That makes their front seven really really good there. And uh, the uh, Patriots they get. Isaiah Ford from the Dolphins, not really a big move with Edelman out. That could help. As I see Joe put up the graphic, Isaiah Ford, uh, the uh, the uh, Dolphins end up getting a seventh rounder in 2022 form. So quiet trade deadline, but uh, but you know that's what it kind of expected at the NFL trade deadline. No one's really going to end up making a big move, and it was quiet. And wh- um, what's your take take on what happened yesterday? I know it's not much, Justin. What's your take on what happened yesterday? Yeah, it was very quiet. I was very surprised that the Packers did not go out and get a linebacker and did not go get a wide receiver. Because as we saw, Avery Wilson's a decent linebacker, and the Steelers didn't even get up a ton for him. Oh, oh, Justin, we're gonna we're gonna get to the Packers. Oh, okay. I'm uh, we're gonna get to the Packers. Don't worry about that. All right. Uh, yeah. So yeah. Um. Then yeah, it was very quiet. Um. You know, it, I guess I thought there would be a little bit more moves, but it, there was not much of it. I thought the you know Patriots were gonna sell more, but yeah, it was a very quiet deadline, um, quieter than I thought it was going to be. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you thought maybe, you know, Gilmore might get traded. I, th- I thought for sure Will yeah. Fuller was going to get traded. I thought, you know, with the Texans being one and six, that being out of it, they get some value for Will Fuller. If he's a free agent, he's going to be a free agent next year. They get some value for him, but they, they didn't end up doing that. I, I thought he should have went to the Packers. I mean, that, 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 that would have made a lot of sense, but. They ended, they ended up not making that move. And we'll, we'll, we'll now get to the Green Bay Packers. And, and, and here's the thing about the Packers. This organization is, uh, is, is, uh, is, is failing Aaron Rodgers right now. It's, it's, just, it's, just, it's completely failing Aaron Rodgers. It's just not – it's not been good. It's, it's just and, – and, and the thing about, the, the, about them is, is, you know, they have Devontae Adams, one of the top receivers. They, I mean – Aaron Jones, one of the top, pretty good running back. But here's the thing about the uh, about, about the Packers. We uh, go into the draft; they're looking for a weapon on offense. But they and I, listen, I don't get on them for taking Jordan Love at all. I, I don't get on them for making that move. I don't. But I, but I mean, how does Jordan Love help your team? That's what I don't get. How does Jordan Love help your team this year when you had a, a, lo, a loaded draft at the receiver position? And you could have improved there. You even uh, and you draft Jordan Love there, so you don't help your team there. Then you get to the trade deadline. You get a guy like Will Fuller who's available. You don't pull the trigger. You don't want to give up a second round pick in twenty twenty two. You don't want to help your team there. I don't get that. I don't get that at all. So I mean, 
they're, they're as you saw on Sunday, this is a this is a team that's a Super Bowl contender, but they're not the favorite because they can't stop the run. And if you take Devontae Adams away, and if you contain Aaron Jones, they they you you can contain their offense as well. So this is definitely not the best team. I felt like they could have improved their team, gotten Rodgers maybe back to another Super Bowl. But the way it's looking right now, Seattle and Tampa Bay look like clearly look like better teams than them. Yeah, I was really, really surprised that the Packers did not make a move. You know, definitely Will Fuller. I, I 100% thought he was going to go with Green Bay. You know, because the, the window's cool. You know, I know Rodgers, it's, you know, Rodgers doesn't have a ton, ton of time left to get another Super Bowl win. You know, he's still got, you know, maybe another two, three years. But, you know, it, it's like they just, you know, they haven't really tried to help him the draft, trying to get weapons. Then they had an opportunity to go get Will Fuller. And, you know, they don't do it. And then even the, like the linebacker market, you know, Avery Williamson, Williamson, you know, the Steelers didn't give up a ton for him. Um, I, I'm surprised that they didn't go out, get, get a linebacker. Cause we just saw what happened Sunday against the Vikings. It was pretty much kind of a mirror image of the NFC championship game. And, you know, at the moment they're supposed to be playing the Niners tomorrow night. So yeah, I, I was really surprised with, with the, with the Packers just staying put um, again. Cause like Seattle's D has got some weakness. We saw, you know, Tampa Bay secondary is a weakness yeah, as well. So yeah, like, but yeah, but if you look at Seattle, they got Lockett. Yeah. They got a they got Lockett and they got Metcalf. You look at the Buccaneers, they got uh, Antonio Brown and they got uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. What do the Packers have outside of uh, Devonte Devonte Adams, Valdez Scantling, and Alan Lazard? That's not good enough yeah. if you want to compete with Tampa Bay and you want to compete with Seattle. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right, and I and that's why right now they're. They're the third best team, I think, right now in the NFC. And, you know, they and they had a chance to kind of get up there, maybe climb climb up there and get the one or two spot. They went out and got a wide receiver, got a linebacker. But, you know, it, it was odd that they stayed put. Absolutely. And you made a great point about Avery Williamson there. Yeah, Avery Williamson is not a great player, but Avery Williamson absolutely could have helped could have helped this team because the run their run defense and their and their linebacking core is probably one of the worst in football. It's absolutely pathetic. It's absolutely terrible. It's 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 awful. And uh and teams are just gonna run the ball right down their throat, especially in the postseason. This is how they're gonna get attacked. I mean, even ta- even though Seattle and Tampa Bay don't have great running games, I mean the, the combination of Fournette and Jones isn't that bad. And then once Chris Carson gets healthy, he's pretty good too. So this 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 Green Bay team is 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 in some trouble because they just can't improve around Aaron Rodgers. And and I think in personally, Aaron Rodgers is a top five quarterback to play the game. And people want to debate me because it's because of what happened in the playoffs. But look at all the playoff losses he's had. Two thousand nine against the Cardinals, uh, lost fifty one forty five in overtime. How's how I know there was a turnover at the end of that game, but still, how is it his fault the defense gave up forty points? Uh, two, they won the Super Bowl in two thousand ten, two thousand eleven. Uh, lost 37-20 to the Giants. I mean, defense didn't play well, and guys couldn't catch the ball. 2000 and, uh, 2012, lost 37-27 to the uh, 49ers. Defense gives up 37 points. Let's Kaepernick have a huge day. 2013, uh, uh, the, the defense can't stop Kaepernick at the end of the game. 2014, they can't recover an onside kick. Uh, 2015, he makes an un- one of the best plays we've ever seen to get the game to overtime, and then Arizona scores a touchdown. 2016, I mean, the t- guy puts the team on his back. They're four and six, and then carries them all the way to the NFC Championship game where the defense gets up 40 points. 17, he gets hurt. 18, he got hurt week one and played through it. And last year, gets them again to the conference championship game, and uh, the team get, can't stop the run. So, honestly, I think this guy is a top-five quarterback to ever play, ever play the game. And I think the Packers organization is very overrated, and they have not done the be- they've not done 
what they've needed to do to help this guy. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. You know, talking about all those playoff losses, yeah, it's, it's every one they gave up 30 points, 30, 40 points, and you can't expect in the playoffs to win shootouts every time. You, you can't expect that. Usually teams in the postseason, especially when you get later in it, you know, they have good defenses. That's, you know, how they, you know, get the Super Bowl, and they just haven't been able to do that. It, and, you know, I don't know. Right, he still has like another three, four years in his contract. But is this something where, you know, if he wants to continue playing after the four years and Green Bay doesn't continually try to help him, does he kind of do what Brady did and yeah, force and yeah, force his way out of there? You know, I mean, there's a team in Indianapolis right now that probably needs a quarterback that has a has a better roster than you. So, and enough with the, enough with not making making this team better around Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is playing at a top three level. He's a top three quarterback in this league. The Packers have just failed to put – I mean, their team is decent around him, but a good enough team around him to compete for a championship. And they are a Super Bowl contender because of him. And they got some they got some decent weapons around him. They got some decent players. But they don't got the roster of the Seattle Seahawks, and they don't got the roster of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it's very hard to beat a Tom Brady, even at his age, and Russell Wilson without having the better roster. Yeah, it is. And especially, you know, I know you mentioned a few minutes ago, with the weapons they have, the, you know, they obviously cannot go up against those guys. And, you know, and then even, you know, trying to stop the running game, it's, it's, you can't tackle. It's pretty hard to stop Leonard Fournette because he will run you over every time. Um, it, yeah, they just won't be able to um, slow down any of those two teams, I think. And poor, you know, this Green Bay team, you know, may get back to the NFC Championship game, but yeah, right now I, I don't see him get back to Super Bowl because they just do not have enough to keep up with Tampa and, and uh, Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. But speaking of the Green Bay Packers, they're going to open up our Week Nine preview as the Packers head to head to uh, San Francisco to face the 49ers uh, tomorrow. But we don't know if that game is going to happen because of a positive test that came in. Uh, Ken- Kendrick Bourne uh, tested positive right, right right before our show. Kendrick Bourne tested positive for the 49ers, so the 49ers have shut their facility down today. Uh, so we don't know if that game's going to happen or not. Green Bay is scheduled to travel out to San Francisco today. So I think the way that things have been going recently, I think if no one tests positive before the game tomorrow, they'll probably play the game tomorrow. So I, I think they'll probably play it tomorrow, but we'll see what ends up happening there. It's still a very fluid situation between those two teams. Uh, but for the game, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think that Kyle Shanahan has a uh, Matt Floor's number, but the problem is, is, Kyle Shanahan has no players left. George Kittle is out for six weeks, probably out for the year. Jimmy Garoppolo is out for the year. Uh, obviously, they won't have Debo Samuel. Uh, Bourne, te- Kendrick Bourne obviously won't play because he tested positive. They On the defensive side of the ball, they still won't have D Ford or Richard Sherman. So I do think Aaron Rodgers moves the ball, even though the Packers might not have Batiari or uh, Aaron Jones. So, but I do think in the past game, I still think the Packers move the ball on the 49ers. I feel I think Aaron Rodgers is a big game. I do think the, the Niners move the ball in the Packers. I, I mean, we remember in the NFC Championship game last year how they were able to run the ball uh, down the Packers' throats, and I still think they have success doing it because Kyle Shanahan will find a way to run the ball down Green Bay's throats. I think he finds a way to do that. But at the end of the day, I think this is a close, competitive game, and I'm going to take the more talented team here. I'm going with the Packers 27-24 over the Niners. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, I know I tell you yesterday going with the Niners, but with everything going on, you know, and I don't know if the Packers are able to stop the run at what I saw Sunday. Um, 
But right now, I, I think I'm going to stick with my Niners pick. I'm going to change the score a bit, though. I think, I think if the Niners win this game, it's going to be a little bit more low scoring. And I get the Niners winning this thing 23-20. to 20. You mentioned the Niners are so banged up. Um, you know, it's probably smart to put Garoppolo back on the IR. Nick Nick Mullins threw for, like, 230 yards in the fourth quarter against Seattle last week. Um, you know, to try to get him back into it. But this Niners team, they're, you know, they had so much talent. It, to still be four and four right now, it's like it's still pretty impressive. But I just I see them being able to do right what they did in the SC championship game, and I think they just control the game on the ground. And I think they just find a way to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. And I think that's how they end up winning this game, twenty-three to twenty at home. And I also worry too. Those you know, I would you know, they're kind of you know, Packers going out west on a short week. I always worry about the road teams in this situation, especially a uh, longer road trip. Oh, absolutely. You know, flying out west to a team that's had your number. Definitely, I think it's definitely going to be a close game. I just got to go with the team with more talent. I think the Packers just have more talent right now. 49ers are just, the Niners are just so banged up. If the Niners were healthy, I would definitely take the Niners, but the Niners are just so banged up. That's why I got to take the Packers. Yeah, I, yeah. I, they did, you know, Packers definitely do have the more talent right now. I just, I just see a way that Kyle Shanahan schemes a way to um, get that running game going and keep the ball out of Rogers' hands long enough. All right, we'll start our uh, we'll start our, the rest of the Week Nine slate, and we'll go to a game between two local teams that are comp- that are struggling mightily, and that is the New York Jets and the New England Patriots. And both these teams, the Patriots have lost four in a row. The Jets haven't won a game this year, so something has got to give Monday night when they play at MetLife Stadium. And if the Jets are going to win a football game, this is the game to win because they got the Patriots reeling right now. But I do think for the Patriots, especially especially on the offensive side of the ball, I think I thought they I thought they played better against the Bills. I thought Cam Newton had a better game. I thought Damian Harris ran the ball really well, and I think that continues this week against the Jets. I think I think Damian Harris runs the ball well. The Patriots run the ball well with Rex Burkhead and uh, and and Damian Harris. I think Cam Newton has a good game. I, I think he he, he throws a, he, he gets the ball to Jacoby Myers too. Jacoby Myers played pretty well the other day too for the Patriots. And on the other side for the Jets, I do think they have success running the ball too with Gore and Pirine, but. As we all know and saw last year on Monday Night Football, uh, Bill Belichick gives Sam Darnold problems, and I think Sam Darnold will have that one really, really bad turnover in this game, and I think that's what's going to make the difference in this game. And that's why I got the Patriots snapping their four-game losing streak, beating the Jets 27-17. Yeah, I got the Pats bouncing back 23-14. to um, And I want to start with this, and Joe's been saying this. I'm going to steal one of Joe's things here with the Mariano effect with, you know, how we all expect, you know, the Yankees, you know, Chapman to close out every game. That was a game last week, you know, for the second time in three weeks where Brady would have won that game. And, you know, Cam's new and fumble, I think I'm starting to see a lot of that. We're used to being, you know, Patriots as myself are used to winning that game because, you know, Tom Brady's a quarterback, but there will never be another Tom Brady to, you know, who can drive down the field in the final two minutes and win a game, it seems like, you know, every single time we don't have that right now they're the only team right now too that has not scored a offensive touchdown in the first quarter so far um new instance coming back from uh covid no touchdowns and it's like five or six interceptions he's been really struggling i thought he did play better last week i didn't understand that onside kick you just tied the game up all the momentum's on your side i don't know what what that play was you know i don't know why they decide to kick an onside kick there um, that, that was frustrating. The tackling was frustrating, frustrating as well. 
Um, they did not do a very good job wrapping up. The Bills only had one rushing touchdown this year from the running backs. They had two on Sunday. Wasn't that was an impressive? Um, Jacoby Myers was a bright spot at wide receiver, and all four of the wide receivers they started at were all undrafted guys. So, um, and last year they had 15 giveaways all season. They already have 15 this year. So it's been a real struggle so far, but I, I feel like there's no way Bill is going to lose a game to Adam Gase. There is no way that's happening. So I feel like they'll be able to go on the road, take care of business against the Jets, who their run defense was pretty good last week against, against the Chiefs. Um, but, yeah, I just I, there's just no way Belichick loses this game. And I think it's like their first four-game losing streak since like 2002. It's, it's been a while. It's been a since O two, middle of O two, I think they started three and zero, and they and they went three and four. I think I remember if, if memory serves me correctly. Yes, I believe you are right on that. But um, hopefully, Damon Harris keeps getting more and more carries each week because he's much better when he continues to get carries instead of giving him one and taking him off the field. But Pat State Bears take care of business on the road. And before we get to the to, we get to the we get to the Giants in Washington, we'll uh, t- and we'll talk about Belichick saying defends you know the salary cap stance and says the paint Pat's sold out. For recent success, I think that's a, I think that's a bunch of BS to be honest with you, because you know it wasn't like the Pats went out and you know spent a ton of money on free. I mean, Gilmore was one of them that they spent a lot of money on free agents. But the biggest reason why the Pats are where they are right now is number one ob- is the most obvious one: they let Brady go too early. That's obvious. Brady is still a top five t- quarterback in this league, and they let him go. I mean, last year the big reason why his numbers weren't there was because of the weapons they had around him. Uh, I mean, he had, he had twenty. He had, he, right now he has 20, t- 20 touchdown passes. He had twenty four all year last year. It was not Brady. It was the weapons he had around him. And number two, Belichick has just drafted poorly in the last uh, in, the, in the last uh, four or five years, and that's the biggest reason why the Patriots are in this situation. It's not because they sold out for for a recent Super Bowl success. Stop living in the past. Stop talking about the past. No successful organization talking about the past. Tom Brady doesn't talk about the past. Stop talking about that. So that, that, I think the biggest reason that the Patriots uh, are where they are is because they have not drafted well. I mean, they they, they draft Sonny Michelle instead of Nick Chubb. They draft Nikhil Harry instead of DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. If DK Metcalf is on this team and they drafted DK Metcalf in the first round in 2019, Tom Brady's still on this team. That's a guarantee. There's no way Brady's Brady Brady leaves this team if DK Metcalf catches on this team. Brady left this team because there wasn't enough talent around him, and he was right to leave this team. He was smart to leave this team because the talent the talent around Cam Newton. Yeah, I know Cam Newton's been inconsistent, but the talent around him is absolutely terrible. And that's then that's the real reason why the Patriots are where they are. It's because of Belichick's incompetency as a GM. It's not because they've sold out for recent Super Bowl success. It's because of Be- it's because Belichick has been incompetent as a general manager. Yeah, you know, and yeah, it's it's you know, I, I think there's a lot of frustration in him right now with everything going on. I don't think he thought things were gonna get this bad this year. And you know, the the one year where I thought that he actually did all he could for Brady, the one year that they actually, you know, went out and actually signed a bunch of free agents and did all, you know, and made some moves, the 07, when they got Welker, when they got Moss, um, when they got Stallworth, and see what kind of happened there. And it seems like kind of after that, they never really did a ton. They would make some moves, but not like they did back in, you know, you know, 07. I thought, you know, kind of that, you know, that was like the one big year I thought he did a really good job of getting a ton of weapons for Brady and, you know, look what happened that year. Um, but yeah, I, you know, 
it's not the salary. It, yeah, it's it's not the salary cap. It's just they, they yeah they just haven't been able to draft and develop guys, and they've just they just missed. And See, look at what the Steelers did with Chase Claypool. They've drafted they drafted him and and they developed him. Look at what they did with Juju Smith Schuster. They drafted him and developed him. That's what a great organization does, and that's what the Patriots haven't done. They were they were relying on the best quarterback of all time to carry their team for the last decade. That's what they were doing. Yeah, it has. It, it, they have. And they've been good on the defensive side of the ball of developing guys. It's been the offensive side. And we know Bill, Bill's got a great defensive mind. And McDaniels has been a pretty good offensive coordinator. Now this year he's really struggling. But, you know, I, I guess McDaniels really hasn't been able to, to kind of develop this, develop guys. You know, Bill hasn't been able to develop the guys on the offensive side of the ball. And, yeah, it's, it's that's been the real struggle last year. Because, look. They're still relying on Julian Edelman to be their top guy at 32 or 34, whatever how old he is. And now he's on the IR and, you know, I think with a knee injury. And, yeah, you can't keep relying on him. And they just haven't found – yeah, they just haven't found the right guy. And they it, they just miss. And it's been frustrating to see, especially watching DK Metcalf last week. That was – and you know, and then against us in week two. It's, it's, it's frustrating. I know Bill's – very frustrating with all of it right now, but it is, it is, you know, it is what it is. You know, they, yeah, I, I obviously I don't know this for sure, but I, I think there's a lot of regret of letting Brady slip when he did. Uh, I, I think it's gone back since 07. I, I, I mean, to, since 2007, I think Brady wanted ours. You, you mean 2017? Yeah, I meant 2017. Yeah. When, yeah, the, yeah. The went down. Yeah, yeah, and then the relationship wasn't wasn't great, even when they won the Super Bowl in 18. And, and, and by last year, he just got tired of being here. He got tired of, you know, carrying the offense. He, he got sick of it. I mean, and then this year, obviously, it just like, like I said earlier, it proved that Brady was still a top quarterback in this league. But, I mean, yeah, he might not be as good as he was in, in the Super Bowl in 2017. He might not be at that level, but he's still a top top quarterback in the league. The, the, the problem was, was the, the skill guys Belichick had around him. And that's why he wanted, he wanted out of here and made a very smart decision to get out of here. Yeah, he did. And then I, you know, and definitely the re relationship. And then obviously too, he wanted to go to a spot where he wasn't going to be criticized for every little thing. He wanted to go be a star and he wanted, you know, he wanted to be an all-star, you know, he wanted to get the all-star treatment as well. Cause uh, I don't think you've read any of that that book that the dynasty that came out. There, there is some things that Bill says like, "Wow, like I don't know how Brady put up with this for twenty plus years." Really, wow, wow, yeah, wow. But, um, you know, so and I think that and that was a huge part of it as well. He wanted to go be a star somewhere else, and he wanted the weapons because he hasn't had weapons like he has right now since 07. Nope, not at all. And he's succeeding. I mean, he's six and two right now, the top, uh, second best team in the NFC. And you look at the Patriots, two and five, and they're pretty much out of the playoff race. But we got to get to my Giants, and uh, they, and they had a, another tough loss on uh, on Monday night, losing to the Buccaneers, uh, 25-23. They this week they head down to DC to face the Redskins in, in, in an NFC's battle. And for any Giant fan that thinks this is going to be an easy game. You are mistaken. Washington is a team that's trying to fight for the NFC. Yes, I know they're two and five, but they still have a very good chance of winning the NFC East. Their defense, their their front four with Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, and Deron Payne is still a really good front four for, for, for the Redskins. So this is going to be a very, very close competitive game in the NFC East. And this is here's how I think the game's going to go. I think the Giants 
are, I think the biggest difference in this game is I think the Giants are going to be able to run the football. You're going to be able to run the football. Hopefully, we'll see if Devontae Freeman plays, but with Gallman and Freeman, I think they'll be able to run the football better than the Redskins. I do think Jones will have his one terrible turnover, like he has every game. But here's the here's the thing. I think he makes more plays than Kyle Allen, and I do think Kyle Allen's going to have that bad turnover too. So I do think Daniel Jones makes more plays than Kyle Allen. Giants run the football, so that that eliminate that that makes that contains Washington's pass rush. And I do think that Kyle Allen makes some plays, but I think Daniel Jones makes more plays. And I got the Giants winning this game in D.C. 24-20 over Washington. I got Washington at close one, 23-20. Now, I think, yeah, a big part of this game is what quarterback makes the less mistakes. Um, And and then for Jones, yeah, I think that was his 12th game with – his 12th straight game with multi-turnover – with multi-turnovers. but, you know, in his first 20 games in the NFL, he had 19 interceptions. Remember, Peyton had 34 of them. And different know, at yeah. different times, though. Different it times. Is. At different times. Quarter, quarterbacks are – it's a different position now. You, you look at the way Justin Herbert's played. Look at the way Joe Burrow's played. Quarterbacks can play very, very well very early in their careers now. Back then, it took a year or two to, to become a, a – usually took a year or two to become a good quarterback back then. Yeah, it did. You know, I'm just trying to give – Giant fans some hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Manning had, you know, 34 out, you know, through 20 games. So, uh, look, look, you know, I, you guys outplayed the Bucks. You know, it's a game you guys should have won, and it's just trying to finish games is, you know, still just learn to try to win, finish games. You know, that that's kind of the big key, trying to build that winning culture. You know, again, you know, and I know down the stretch, they got some games that, you know, are winnable. So, I, you know, I think the Giants are going to end up with, you know, four or five wins. Five win by the end, I feel like. Um, but once you come out to buy, it played really well against Dallas. I know Dallas, you, you know, it has not looked good the last few weeks. But I think Hal Allen makes enough plays. And I think Washington is able to capitalize off of a Daniel Jones turnover and win the game. Yeah, this game is a 50-50 game. It can go either way. And the thing about Daniel Jones, which drives you nuts, is uh, is you saw at the beginning of the ga- at the beginning of the game, the Giants got that turnover against the Bucks. Throws that dime to Deion Lewis. Great throw, puts the Giants on top. And and, and the first half, and that that but first half he played pretty well. But obviously there was that play where he had he had good protection and he missed Darius Slayton in the end zone mm-hmm. on that one play. That was that 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 was a bad one. But then what drives you nuts about Daniel Jones? He comes out in the second half. And throws a, throws an interception right off the bat, and then we're up seventeen fifteen. He throws another interception. It's just that's the stuff that's driving nuts about Daniel Jones is the inconsistency of him. There are times, and there are times you think this is the guy that that throw to Dion to Dion Lewis, the uh, the touchdown drive at the end of the game. There's times you think this is the guy, but then there's times you know on the two point conversion he, he he throws behind Dion Lewis. You know the two interceptions, the three or four times he the two times he missed Darius Slayton, the one time he didn't see Darius Slayton. The one time he overthrew Sterling Shepard. So there's just there's there, there's flashes of really good play, but then there's also flashes of turnovers and missed throws, and, and just inconsistent play. And when your defense is played as well as it is, there's no. I know defense defenses aren't as impactful as it used to be, but when your defense is played as well as it has this year, you shouldn't be a one and seven football team. That's the thing that really bothers me right now about about the Giants. Yeah, you're exactly right. Yeah, one in, yeah, one and seven. Your defense played well. You've had opportunity. The one game that they were not, the one game that they were really blown out and not 
did not have one chance was that Niners game. Every other game. You and the Steelers, they were be- – yeah, the Steelers, they had a chance for, you know, two and a half quarters, but the Steelers did beat them. I mean, you can't sit there and say uh, – the Steelers beat them. I mean, they weren't they – were, they, they, they weren't like – they weren't that close to beating the Steelers. I mean, they won- lost 26-16, but they kind of got a touchdown a touchdown late in that game. Yeah. yeah, you know, I guess, yeah, for the Steelers, they weren't at – for, yeah, I guess, you know, early on, and you know, they lost the kind of same quarter, third quarter. Um, but, like, every other game that they had chances – to win and, and defense played well enough. Um, yeah, it just I Daniels just has to learn his lesson. Like that second one, we just got to take the sack there. Just just take the sack. I know it doesn't look great on the on the stat sheet, they, but it looks even worse that you throw an interception there. And then you give them a short field and they score a touchdown. Yeah, when you have control of the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and that's a killer. You know, that's that's always a killer. You know, the Eagles game they had the chance and then the drop pass by Ingram would have sealed it yeah that was the one game during the year i'll say it's the one game that wasn't his fault that's the yeah. one game i'll put up i won't i will not give him i thought he played i thought that was his best game of the year i, won't, I will not absolutely not i absolutely would not put the loss on him there yeah that's yeah that's pretty much been the only one the other ones yeah he's made the mistake the reigns game in the red zone the fourth quarter yeah going down to tie at the, the interception. Yeah. even the dallas game yeah. we had a chance to win the game and he couldn't get us in the field i mean he played pretty well but he couldn't get us in a field goal range there either so mm-hmm. it's just this up and down feeling. I was texting you during the game on Monday night saying, especially after the second interception, yeah. if there if we somehow get that number one or two pick, it's going to be a tough decision to take to, to, to not take Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. It's just because of the upside. But I don't want to, I'm not, I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm not a giant fan who wants to give up on Daniel Jones at all. But if we get into that position, it's hard to take to, to, to not to not to not take one of those two guys because of the upside and you and, and what you're seeing from Daniel Jones, it's just he's just got to be more consistent, man. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's at times he looks like he can, you know, be a certain quarterback in this league. And at times it's like, you know, what do you, you know, it, he he looks like he's still a rookie and, and just yeah makes those bad plays. He just he he's got to learn his lesson and at some point he's gotta and it's and it just seems like it's every week he hasn't learned them yet and you just wonder when is that week when he's finally gonna learn all right i cannot do this anymore uh and i gotta you know and i gotta move on you know figure a way past that it, that's that's i think the big key for him you know and then the other thing is is too you know um depending on what kind of happens with with gentlemen it's you know it would it would be a tough spot too new gm unless if some unless if somebody actually in giants organization takes you know, is hired instead of somebody going outside. If an outside guy comes in and wants his new quarterback, and you know, again, I, you know, it seems it sounds like Joe Judge does like Daniel Jones. So, you know, but who knows if that often is there? I don't it, think I don't think you guys are going to be at that spot. I, I think you guys are going to win a couple games. So I think by the time you get the pick, I, I think Fields and Lawrence will be off the board. Maybe Trey Lance would be there, but I would think you know Fields Lawrence would be off the board. Probably, probably at that point. We'll see what ends up happening at the end of the season. Obviously, Gettleman will be fired at the end of the year because if Daniel Jones played like this last year, Gettleman would have easily been fired. The only reason Gettleman kept his job is because Daniel Jones didn't play poorly last year. He showed flashes of great if, uh, that that he could be the guy. And Gettleman's pick, and Gettleman might have gotten the pick right. That's the only reason Gettleman ended up keeping his job, and he and he, and he stayed, and Pat Shermer didn't. And and the thing is, even with his weapons, I 
I'm actually a bigger Darius Slayton fan than a lot of people are. I, th- I think he's actually pretty good. I saw him get open at times on, on a Monday night and, and, and Jones not hit him. And I, and I, and I like Sterling Shepard too, but the problem with Sterling Shepard is he just, he just can't stay healthy, but it will be interesting to see what ends up happening with the giants uh, throughout the rest of the season. See how many games they win. I mean, if they, if they're, if they're, if they're not in no, if they're not in any position to take fields or Lawrence, I'm definitely giving third year, but we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, definitely. You know, um, I, I think, yeah, you would have to give him third year if you're not in that spot. Um, and, and yeah, I, you know, I think you got, yeah, you know, Shepard, if you can stay on the field, I was surprised you didn't get rid of Golden Tate yesterday. And then, yeah, yeah I, him, I, him I, and Zeitler, but maybe, yeah, that was, that was surprising to me, but I don't know if anybody really wanted him because Zeitler's had his worst season. Both have had their worst seasons in a while this year. Yeah. And then, you know, there's Slayton. Yeah. He's been a really solid weapon for you guys. And that's been a good pick by Gettleman because he was a fourth or fifth rounder too, you know. That's been a solid pick for him. And then it's like Evan Ingram shows flashes like last night. Or when I, 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 re- I really don't want to hear about Evan Ingram. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of done with Evan Ingram right now. I, after that drop in Philadelphia, I know he made that catch the other night on, 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 down the sideline, but I'm, I'm done with Evan Ingram. I don't want to hear about Evan Ingram. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, he can get some hands. He would be good. I know, I know. That's the problem. That's been his problem since he came to the league. He's got 21 drops since he came to the league. Most of any tight end, he's completely, he's completely, he's just has no consistency at all. And I, and I, and I am done with him. I'm still mad about the Philly game. I'm, I'm done with Evan Ingram right now. Yeah, you and the Giants fans I'm friends with too. Are, yeah, they're not. Uh, they're all done with Ingram as well. So enough talking about my awful team, and let's and let's get to let's get to let's get to all the games on Sunday, and we'll start with uh, the Ravens and the Colts. And before we kind of get to the game, unfortunately, uh, seven players have been impacted by the. I don't think Marlon Humphrey did test positive for COVID nineteen, but there have been players that have been in close contact with Humphrey. Uh, th- th- that uh, I think they're on. They're on, I think they're on like the. They've been isolated or something. I'm not sure what's happening. What's, what's seven high 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 risk have high risk clo- uh, close text to uh, Marlon Humphrey. But uh, for, for the game, you, obviously Marlon Humphrey's not going to play. We hope he's doing well. Obviously, obviously, and uh, for the game, I think this is going to be a really close competitive game. The Colts. I saw this last year with them. They they got off to a hot start. They they played well. The, my concern there though is always going to be the quarterback. I think Philip Rivers is past his prime. I do think this is a close competitive game with the Ravens. I think I think that uh, the Ravens have a little bit of trouble running the running the ball because the Colts r- Colts stopped the run pretty well. But I do think they get enough rushing yards. I think that Lamar Jackson makes enough plays on on uh, on D- on offense. I think the Colts do do um, get to get some plays from Philip Rivers in the passing game, getting the ball to T. Y. Hilton, getting the ball to Pascal. I think they, I think he makes some plays in the passing game. I do think they have a little bit of success running the ball too, but in this game, I'm going to take the better quarterback in a close one. I got the Ravens beating the Colts 23 to 20. Yeah, I got Baltimore going the road again to win 20 to 17. Baltimore is the first time that a team lost in the last 50 years after they out they outrushed their opponent by 200 yards and out and outgained their opponent as well in passing yards, and they still lost. Um, a couple of missed opportunities last week for them. This should be another, yeah. This should be another close, low-scoring game. I think very quick game because I think both teams are really gonna um, try to establish a running game. But both teams are really good at stopping the run, though. Um, Philip Rivers, leave it to the Lions. Look, make look Philip Rivers look like he did ten years ago. Um, he will not have to have that success this week. He's gonna have to make a couple of plays. But I, I think the Ravens are gonna force some turnovers, even though they won't have Marlon Humphrey. I still think Baltimore is gonna be able. 
um, make some plays. And I think it's, you know, who can hold on to the ball more, who can make the less mistakes to not give up the short field. And I trust Lamar Jackson more than I do Phillip Rivers right now. So I'll go with Baltimore again, the one on the road, on the road 20 to 17. We got an interconference matchup in Kansas City of two of the stars in the NFL with uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs and Christian McCaffrey and the Carolina Panthers. And I'm pretty sure Christian McCaffrey is going to be back this week for the Carolina Panthers. So if he plays, I think the Panthers will be able to compete a little bit because the one weakness of Kansas City's defense is the linebacker position. And they have trouble stopping the run and have trouble cover covering running backs out of the backfield. So I think that uh, McCaffrey will do a pretty good job. The Panthers will move the ball. But here's the difference in this game. The Panthers will be kicking field goals, and the Chiefs will be getting touchdowns. And that's why I got the Chiefs winning by double digits. I think Patrick Mahomes has a huge game. Ball to, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I think the, the Chiefs do enough on the ground. And I got the Chiefs to go to 8-1. and one. I got them beating the Panthers 34-22. Yeah, I get the Chiefs at home 31-21. to 21. Um, You know, the Panthers have been a surprise. You know, they're 3-5 now. They kind of got out to 3-1 start. and uh, Or 3-2 start. They've lost three straight since. Um, but you know, this team that's playing hard and, you know, has exceeded pretty much a lot of people's expectations. I think they keep this close for a while, especially, yeah, they get, um, McCaffrey back and then even Mike Davis, they can kind of compliment him. Don't, you know, cause who knows how much they're going to actually use McCaffrey first week back from injury. Um, so yeah, you know, they'll have some success. I was sort of shocked that they only had, the Chiefs only had 50 rushing yards last week against the Jets. I mean, I thought they were going to use Le'Veon Bell much more than they did. Um, but they, you know, I think Carolina secondary is going to really struggle this week against, um, the chiefs and Mahomes should put up some points and, you know, I'll go with the chiefs 31, 21. We got an NFC North matchup in Minnesota as the three and four lions visit the two and five Vikings. And I think this is a close competitive game in the division. I think Dalvin cook has another huge game. Uh, on the ground and through the air, which means Kirk Cousins will have a good game against the against the Lions against the Lions defense. But I do think Matthew Stafford has a good game too. I think the Lions run the football pretty well, and I think Stafford has a big game through the air too. But I'm going to take the better coach team, even though Stafford's better than Kirk Cousins. I'm taking Mike Zimmer any day of the week and twice on Sunday over Matt Patricia, and I got the Vikings beating the Lions 31-26 in Minnesota. Yeah, I got the Vikings 34, 30 to 24. They kind of looked like the Vikings team I think we all thought we were going to see this year. Um, but, you know, it hasn't been so far. Um, but the way they, you know, Dalvin Cook coming back off injury, off a of bye, looked really fresh and, you know, just unstoppable. Um, and I, it's going to probably be pretty much the same this week. I don't see the Lions having much success stopping them. Um, and I, I think they'll keep the ball out of Stafford's hands. Um, Kenny, Dall Kenny Galladay is going to be out. I think they're three and one with our. I think they're three and one with them. They're zero um, and three without him. So I think that they're also going to struggle missing missing him in that offense. So I'm going to take the Vikings to get the one at home. We have an interconference matchup in Atlanta between the Broncos and the Falcons. But before we talk about that. Well, unfortunately, we heard news uh, yesterday that uh, John Elway tested positive for COVID-19. Obviously, we anybody, everybody knows who John Elway is. Obviously, the, the, the one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, probably top five. Uh, obviously, uh, the best quarterback in the history of the Broncos franchise. Obviously, unfortunately, he tested positive for COVID-19. We we hope he's doing well R right now. Obviously, obviously, he's in isolation. We hope he's doing well. 
and uh, our, our thoughts and prayers are out to him uh, at the moment, right, right now. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, you mentioned we have one of the great you know, quarterbacks in NFL history. So, yeah, you know, hopefully he stays healthy, well, and has a quick recovery. Here's the ironic thing. The Broncos are playing the Falcons this week. And in John Elway's last game of his career, he beat the Falcons to win a second Super Bowl, and he was the MVP in that game. I know you were maybe a little young to remember that because I think that was the year you were born, but that, that was John Elway's final game he ever played was against the Falcons to win the Super Bowl. He said that. I did not know that. That was Jamal Anderson and the Dirty Birds. He actually beat his former coach, Dan Reeves, too, because Dan Reeves was his coach. Uh, back in the 80s when they made those three Super Bowls and lost to the Giants, Redskins, and Niners. That was an inter- inter- interesting, interesting fact there. Yeah, so yeah, so yeah, that was his last game was against the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Yeah, that's nice. I did not know that. Nice tidbit. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of ironic that yeah that they're playing the Falcons this week. Yeah, you know, it's pretty kind of cool. Like, yeah, cool, yeah. Cool but we hope, yeah, we just hope always uh, resting well. We hope he's doing well. For the game, though, I think this is going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be a really fun, exciting game. I, I thought the Broncos started to find their groove on offense in the second half last week against the Raiders. Uh, Drew Locke played well in the second half. Uh, he, he was really good, good. I think he was going to get the ball to Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler. K.J. Hamler, my guy from Penn State, got the game-winning touchdown last week. I think he has a good game this week, too. I think Matt Ryan makes his plays as well. I think he gets Julio Jones involved. We don't know if Calvin Ridley's going to play, but if he plays, I think he'll have his yards, too. But in a close competitive game, I'm going with the Broncos in the upset. I got the Broncos beating the Falcons 31 to 27. Yeah, I got the Broncos too, 27, 26. Um, yeah, the second half, I don't, you know, Broncos offense look good, but the Chargers do what the Chargers do best and show games away. Uh, you know, for the Broncos too, they're like minus seven so right now, turnover margin. margin. Uh, they got to be better at that this week. They got to start, you know, getting better. Locks had to be right at the ball. Um, thought he was in the second half. They, you know, I think they definitely found a rhythm in that second half. And I think it was a huge confidence boost for Lock to have that come back there um, and get the win. And then for Atlanta, they surprised me last week. They looked good. But I just don't know what Falcons team is going to show up week in and week out. Are we going to get that team that we saw against the Vikings and Panthers? Or are we going to get that team that we saw, you know, lose to the Lions and just blow all the games. You just don't know what Falcons team you're going to get that week, this week. And that's why I don't really trust them. And I'm going to go with the Broncos to go on the road and get the win. Got another interconference matchup in Tennessee as the five and three bears visit the six and two Titans. And uh, this is, this is an interesting game, but I think the one weakness of the bears defense is their run defense. That's why Derrick Henry is going to have a big game. I think Derrick Henry is a big game on the ground, just like he's had the last couple weeks. And Ryan Tannehill gets the ball to AJ Brown, Corey Davis, and John, John Smith. So he has, he has a big day there. I do think Nick Foles competes in this game, though. As you saw last week, Nick Foles – the Bears game was weird last week. They got off to the – they got off to, uh, cause everybody watched the game because it was on Fox. It was a 425 game. So they got off to the, that real hot start. And then they, they completely self-destructed with like – with you saw Javon Wims getting thrown out of the game by punching uh, Gardner Johnson in the face, in the head. Uh, you saw the, 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 the delay of game penalties. You saw the Bears defense give up a score at the end of the half. So the Bears self-destructed in, in, in parts in parts of that game. Got down 23-13, and then Nick Foles fought back to his credit, and and, uh, and they ended up t- and they tied the game, but, th- but then eventually the Saints ended up winning. So I do think Nick Foles competes in this game. He might turn the ball over 
uh, ones, but I think he competes in this game, and I think he makes some plays because the Titans defense has a lot of problems getting off the field on third down. I think I think I think Foles gets the ball to Allen Robinson and uses Montgomery in the passing game, and I do think that the Bears compete. But at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the team with the better quarterback and the better coach, and I got the Titans beating the Bears 27-20. Yeah, I got the Titans win this one 24-20. I need to be close. I think the Titans are going to co- control the game on the ground and keep the Bears off and touch the field. You called the Bengals upset over the Titans, didn't you, last week? No, no, no. No, you didn't? No. Why did I thought you picked that one? I thought you no, no, I didn't. I, didn't. I thought the, No, no, here's what I thought. I thought the Bengals would compete with the Titans. I thought they put up points and compete, but I, I didn't think they were going to beat the Titans. But I did think they'd compete. I wasn't surprised they scored 31 points because I picked them to score some points in that game. But I didn't expect Ryan Tannehill to play the way he did against the Bengals. That's why I thought the Titans were going to win. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was a very surprising game last week. Titans really didn't show up. And I, I think Mike Vrabel is going to have him ready to go this week. I think, uh, yeah, you, as you're saying, Bears really aren't great stopping the run on defense. Um, I can definitely see Fold making a play or two. I just, I just don't, you know, um, you know, I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I trust Nick Foles in a game i i don't know if i trust nick Foles right now with this you know i guess you know like i feel bad for al Robinson if he had a better quarterback you know he's played there and he had to play for those you probably yeah you probably yeah you felt bad for him his whole career and he's a penn state guy so i like him yeah, yeah. blake Bortles in jacksonville now he's got now last now he's had he's had nick trubisky and now uh, nick Foles. he's never had a quarterback in his career i mean yeah. i'd say nick Foles isn't terrible but he's not yeah. really had a, a very good quarterback in his career no, yeah, no, he hasn't. You know, it'd be cool. You know, be interesting to find out if he, if he, you know, did ever get an actual quarterback to play with. Um, and then, you know, for the Titans, I was kind of wrong because I thought Clowney was kind of gonna get going last week because the the Bengals had four offensive starters out too, and they still couldn't get. Uh, uh, again, there's a reason Clowney didn't get, didn't get signed until late, signed until Labor Day. That that yeah. guy is a he is totally he's completely overrated. Only had three sacks for the Seahawks last year. He is. He is so overrated. It's 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 unreal. Yeah, you know he's yeah he hasn't turned out like everybody kind of thought that you know him and Watt were gonna have down in Houston and yeah I I just still couldn't believe that Tennessee could not get one sack on him so I think Foles is gonna have some time but just I, Tennessee will be able to win this game. We have an AFC South matchup in Jacksonville as the uh, as a the two, with two one and six teams the one and six Texans the one and six Jaguars but. I think this game is a mismatch. That's because Gardner Minshew was out for the Jags, and Deshaun Watson is playing for the Jaguars, and and the, and the Texans. And I mean for the Texans, and the Texans didn't trade Will Fuller. So I think Deshaun Watson has a big week against this Jacksonville defense. I carves him, tears him apart. I think the Texans score over thirty points, and and on and on and on offense for the Jaguars. I think they make some plays because the Texans defense isn't that good. I think Robinson has some yards on the ground, but the thing is with the backup quarterback, they're going to game plan to stop. Uh, James Robinson. So I got the Texans winning this one big. I got the Texans 34-17 over the Jags. I got Houston win this one on the road 28-17. to uh, It's going to be Jake Lutton, the starting quarterback for uh, Jacksonville. Do you know where do you go to school? Are you Oregon sure? What, do you, oh, so you've probably seen him play. Yeah, yeah. I last year he played, what, like 28 touchdowns to, to three interceptions. Yeah. What's his skill? What is, what's his skill set? You know, um, he's, he's got – very good poise, strong arm, and he's accurate, you know. Um, and then Jay Gruden was saying, too, I guess, during camp, you know, he was the biggest surprise during camp, and he, he had a really good camp. Um, doesn't make a – you know, makes good decisions. Again, not, now being in the NFL, you know, we'll see what happens. But not really, you know, more of a, 
pocket passer type guy. Not really going to run, run all over the place on you. Um, but he had a really good good year last year. Um, for a Beaver team, that wasn't great. Um, but for the game, you know, because Jacksonville last time had chances to beat Houston, and they just couldn't capitalize on them. You know, they struggled in the red zone. Um, I think they, you know, even had a couple fourth downs that they didn't convert in the Houston zone, um, territory. But, yeah, I think Houston's going to have a big week against this Jacksonville defense. We got an interesting matchup in Buffalo as the Seahawks head all the way to Buffalo to face the Bills. And this should be a fun, exciting game. I think Russell Wilson's going to have a day uh, against the uh, Buffalo defense. I know they might not have Chris Carson, but I think Russell Wilson has a day with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they put up over 30 points. And I think this is the game where Joe's point is going to get backed up about Josh Allen being a top five quarterback because he's going to put up – I think he's going to put up a ton of points. He's going to put up a ton of yards. I think Josh Allen's going to have a big day getting the ball to Stephon Dick and Cole Beasley. I think this is a game that goes back and forth. It goes back and forth, really high scoring. But I got the Seahawks because I have, I picked them every every game this year. I got the Seahawks beating the Bills 34-31. Yeah, I got the Seahawks on the road 34 to 30. Um, this should be a fun shootout. And the last few weeks in the Bills, I kind of thought, you know, maybe, you know, like two weeks ago against the Jets, I thought, all right, just sleepwalking, getting ready with the Patriots. But yeah, I really have not liked what I saw from this Bill team the last few weeks. Um, and kind of disappointed. My, I know they're still six and two, but they really haven't played like a, like they're a six and two team the last few weeks. There is no way they're going to stop DK Metcalf or Tyre Lockett. Um, there's going to be a lot of big plays. Um, a lot of, you know, both quarterbacks are going to go deep, throw deep. Um, but yeah, this should definitely be a fun shootout back and forth game. Um, but Seattle, they're great every time it seems like for one o'clock game. So I, I don't worry about them traveling East coast for an early kick and I'm going to take Seattle get, I think they get enough stops. And I think, you know, Russell Wilson makes less mistakes than Josh Allen does in this game. We got a matchup of two of the most popular teams in the NFL as the Steelers head down to Dallas to face the Cowboys. And, yes, these are two popular teams, but I don't think this game is going to be good at all. I mean, the Steelers have a, have a really good defense. I think Ben's been playing really well. Chase, and I think he's going to get the ball to Chase Claypool and uh, and to Juju Smith-Schuster. I think they're going to be able to run the ball. The Steelers will win this game by any score they really want because they, be, they could be sitting starters in the fourth quarter. That's how big I think they beat the Cowboys. I don't care who plays quarterback for the Cowboys. If it's, if it's I know it's not going to be Ben DiNucci. He got benched. If it's Garrett Gilbert or Cooper Rush, I do not care at all who plays quarterback for the Cowboys. The Cowboys have been absolutely, ter- ter- absolutely terrible the last, two, the last three weeks, and I think that continues this week. I got the Steelers winning this game big. I got them winning 31-6 to over the Cowboys. Uh, I got I got the Steelers going over 27-10. It's only the second time in the Super Bowl era that the Dallas Cowboys are a double-digit favorite um, at home. And I think yeah, – um, so it's very rare. But, yeah, I think, you know, Garrett Gilbert played his uh, college ball – or transferred to SMU, so. Um, oh, I, I remember Garrett Gilbert. You know I rem- where I remember Garrett Gilbert the most? The uh, national championship game that one year against Alabama when Colt McCoy got hurt. And he came in as a true freshman. He lit up out Al- for some reason. He actually lit up Alabama, but that became a highlight of his career. Yeah, that's about it. And then I forgot who took his job. Um, I who pretty much? Who knows? Because Texas was so bad after that. Yeah. And then he went to SMU afterwards, and he lit it up at SMU. But um, so playing college kind of ball closer where he played, uh, or you know, playing Sunday if he gets a start. But um, yeah, you know, I saw some signs of life 
for for the Cowboys a little bit on Sunday. Dude, 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 just Justin, Justin. That's because Carson Wentz was absolutely terrible on Sunday night. That's why. Yeah, he was. Yeah, you know, like Diggs. You know, uh, Trayvon Diggs had two picks. Like, uh, there's no, stop. Trayvon Diggs is Trayvon Diggs is not good at all. Come on, he, those not, picks were thrown right to him. Come on. They were, but I, I'm just trying to confidence for the Cowboys. You know. Yeah, I know. I know, bro. I know. I know. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a blowout. James Conner, uh, Benny Snell Jr. They should just dominate on the ground. As long as you know, uh, this should be ugly. The 27 to 10 and the strolls continue in Dallas. I wonder how many boos we'll hear Sunday too. Oh, he'll be hearing some boos because the uh, the, the, the there'll be there'll be fans in the stand. No, but the thing is, is they'll probably be, they'll probably be more Steeler fans than Cowboy fans in that game. I bet. They probably will be. You're probably right about that. Yeah, they'll they'll be more Steeler fans than Cowboy fans. The Cowboy fans don't want to don't want to go there to watch Garrett Gilbert. Steeler fans, the way they're playing right now, that they'll watch their they'll go anywhere to watch their team play. Yeah, yeah, and they'll go invade Jerry's world. That would be a. I think they, I think they'll take over Jerry World on Sunday. I could see that. Yeah, no, I, yeah, you're probably right. I doubt. Yeah, I'm with you. I doubt we could yeah, see yeah, that. it'll it'll be it'll be Heinz Field South on Sunday, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, yes, it will be. So since we're talking about the Steelers, you're hearing a lot of this. They're the best team in the NFL, and I do think the Steelers are a, a, a really good team and a Super Bowl contender. But they're not better than the Kansas City Chiefs, and here's my reason why. You look at their defense. It's a. Re- I'm not saying great because it's not great. It's a really good defense, but it still has given up 20 points a game. This is a defense that's given up 20 points over five times this season. Five times they've given up over 20 points, and they gave up 29 points to the Eagles. It's just very hard for me not to see if they play Kansas City, the Chiefs don't put up 30 points. I, I see the Chiefs still putting up points against them, and I just don't think Big Ben could keep up, keep up with the Chiefs. That's why I still think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL and in the AFC. Yeah, um, I think they're neck and neck. I think, yeah, obviously Big Ben can't keep up with Pat Mahomes anymore. That's obvious. But I think you know, in the you know, if the you know, it, I like I could see Pitt at Heinz Field maybe knocking them off if they could run the ball successfully and just keep Mahomes off the field. I could see that happening. But yeah, I, I think the Steelers are right there. But I, I just think KC and you just add Pat Mahomes and their defense. I know. Um, you know, linebacker, they're kind of weak and all that, but their defense still has gotten better under uh, Spagnolian. It, it, so I, I still think, yeah, the Chiefs are the best team in football right now. I would put Seattle there too, but their defense is even worse than KC, so I, I can't do that right now. But, you know, I, I put Pittsburgh up there, but I just, yeah, I think KC is just a little bit better than them and just a little bit more close to them. I would be a little bit more conscious too if they if Devin Bush didn't get hurt as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Something we'll be definitely be talking about throughout the throughout uh, the, the next couple of months. Who who is the best team, and it'll be get decided in January. But we'll go back to picks, and we'll we got another interconference, a ton of interconference matchups this week, a ton of AFC NFC matchups. We got another one in uh in uh Arizona with the probably two of the most interesting young quarterbacks in the game. You got Tua Tua for the Tua Tug of Viola for the Dolphins. You got Kyler Murray for the uh, for the Cardinals. Rematch of that. Uh, that college football semifinal a couple of years ago when they went up against each other. And I think this is a close competitive game between these two teams, but I think that uh, I, I'll, I'm going to take the more experienced quarterback in this game. I'm going to go with the Cardinals. I think, I think that Murray may, I know the Dolphins defense has played well, but they do struggle a little bit against the run. I think they're going to struggle stopping Kyler Murray, especially in the run game. I think Kyler Murray's going to have a big day in the run game. He'll make some plays in the past game to DeAndre Hopkins and Christian Kirk. 
And, and on the flip side, I think Tua has some success in this game. We don't know what kind of player Tua is going to be because he really didn't do much in the Dolphins' first game. They were, A lot of the Dolphins' points were on uh, Rams' mistakes, Rams' turnovers, and, and special teams. So Tua didn't do that much, but I do think Tua has a pretty good game. I think this is a close competitive game, but I'm going to go with the with the Cardinals to beat the Dolphins 26-20. Yeah, I got the Cardinals at home winning this one 34, 31-24. Um, yeah, you know, they didn't really need Tua to do a lot. Just manage a game and just kind of, um, you know, he only had 93 passing yards, only threw the ball like 23 times. Um, so the, his defense really helped out. Again, if they can force Murray into some mistakes, which, you know, he's made some of them this year. I think Dolphins definitely have a chance to go in there and knock off the Cardinals. But I just think, I, um, I, you know, even without Drake for the Cardinals, I still think they'll be able to run the ball against them. And I think that will be the difference in the game. Um, but it's, I, you know, I think this could be a good one. It's good two very good young starting quarterbacks as well in this one. Absolutely, we got an AFC West matchup in LA as the uh, Raiders uh, head head to LA to face the Chargers. And uh, I think uh, the the Raiders from Vegas head to LA to face the Chargers. And I think this is a uh, this is an interesting game. I think this game is going to be back and forth uh, with a lot of points because Bose is probably not going to play for the Chargers. I think Derek Carr is a big game getting the ball to Darren Waller and Henry Ruggs. Josh Jacobs has a big game on the ground. And on the flip side, I think Justin Herbert has a huge game. He's been playing really really well for the Chargers. And I think in a, in a really really close competitive game, I'm going to go with the Raiders to win 34-30 over the Chargers. And it'll be another game that the Chargers, with Anthony Lynn, lose close. Yeah, I'm with you. I got the Raiders 30-27. The Chargers have lost eight straight divisional games. I think it moves to nine this week. And I think that, you know, that, that game last week against the Broncos changed to when Bosig went out. I, that's, I think, when the tide really turned on the Chargers. And I think, you know. I yeah, I mean, there's a reason they pay him $27 million, million a year. He's one of the top pass rushers in, in the league. Yeah, you're exactly right, and it was a big difference maker, I feel like, in that game. Even though the Chargers still even that they lost them, they can't lose that game. There's That's no excuse. They, they should should have taken care of business um, on the road to Denver last week. It, again, feel bad for Justin Herbert, but again, I guess he made the, he made the you know, he did throw an intercept in the end zone, though, which wasn't, um, but, you know, Raiders, I think Josh Jacobs got going last week on the ground, um, and that just very windy game out in Cleveland last week, ugly kind of game. Um, I think they'll be able to do it again, especially if Bosa's out. And I'm going to go with the Raiders to go on the road and move the five and three. AB is back as the he will be playing. He is activated. He'll be playing as the Bucks take on the Saints this week. And and before we get into the game, we'll, we'll I'll ask I'll ask this question and I'll, I'll give my opinion on this. With the addition of AB, are the Bucks the best team in the NFC? And I saw them play Monday night, and I'm going I'm to say no. And here's 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 my reason why. And watching watching the Buccaneers, they got a, one of the top front sevens in football. That secondary is still very, very even though they got some decent players with Carlton Davis and Antoine Winfield Jr. That secondary is very very questionable. And I think if they play a team like Seattle, Seattle's going to expose them. DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, they have no one who could stop those two guys. So that's why I think the Buccaneers. Are, are really good. I think they're the second best team in the NFC. I think Brady's played well, but Brady's played Brady's played really well, but he's not Russell. He's not Russell Wilson right now. And I just think that Tampa Bay in the secondary is going to have trouble covering the uh, the 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 uh, the Seahawks receivers. And I, even with the addition of AB, I still have the Seahawks as the best team in the NFC. For me, it's close. You know, because um, 
you know, I think, you know, because I know Seattle's got Jamal Adams in secondary, but I want to see how much Tampa uses AB and how much, you know, I know they could probably use him on Sunday night, but because I think they do have a couple more weapons. I know Brady's not Russell Wilson. You know, maybe for the sake of the argument, I'll go Tampa just because they have so many weapons. And I think if they if their front seven, I know they didn't, you know, they, they got to Daniel Jones at times the other night, but if they could, you know, really fluster, you know, I guess you can, it's tough to fluster Russell Wilson, but um, if they could somehow get in there and, you know, just force him to throw some balls away and make some tough throws, I, you know, I think Tampa could beat them just because they really only have Jamal Adams for the Seahawks in the secondary. And if, you know, AB can stay healthy, if uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin could all stay healthy and with their running game, you know, and, for the right now, too, you know, I, I guess I'll, it, it's, you know, it's especially if Tampa, too, may, you know, comes on the whole field. Tampa, you know, if they get to play a home game, maybe, you know, more of an edge than if Tampa goes to Seattle and the Seattle can't sell out fans, um, could be a difference. And, and Brady's been so good in the playoffs, even though Russell's been good, too. Um, I, I, it's tough to pay against Brady in the playoffs, but, um, you know, I think Tampa's just a even though they didn't look good the other night, and it's it's kind of seems like it's really hit or miss against with them. If they play like they did against the Packers, they definitely are. But if they play against, you know, like they did the other night, then and like they did the first time against the Saints and the Bears, then it's like yeah, yeah, maybe in Seattle is number is the best team in the NFC. It for me, it kind of depends what what Tampa Bay team we get that given day. Absolutely. But first, before they can be the best team in the NFC, they got to be the best team in their division. And that's why they got a huge game this week as they as they host the Saints. Uh, as, they, as they host the Saints. So this is going to be a really, really big game for both these two teams. Obviously, the Saints beat them earlier in the year. And in this game, I think I think the addition of AB is going to help the Bucs. I think, you know, the, the, the Tom Brady's going to have a big game getting the ball to Mike Evans. The Saints secondary, as we saw against the Bears, is very questionable. I think Tom Brady gets the ball to Mike Evans and has a big game. And for the Saints, the problem is they just – I mean, Drew Brees – it just cannot get the ball, push the ball down the field. I think that's just a problem for the Saints. Even though Alvin Kamara is great, he's electric, he's great in the pass game, you could you could run the ball with him, he's so versatile. I just don't think he's. if Michael Thomas doesn't play, it depends on if Tom, Tom, Thomas playing or not is going to be big in this game because I think Thomas can make some plays against this Tampa secondary. But if Thomas doesn't play, that's going to that's gonna be a big loss. That's, that's going to be another – that's going to really hurt the Saints in, in, this, in, this, in this game. They're not playing the Lions. They're not playing the Bears. They're not playing the Chargers. They're playing the Bucks this week, and 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 I think that it's going to be a close, competitive game. But I got the Bucks beating the Saints, thirty-one twenty-four. Yeah, I got Tampa win this one, twenty-eight to twenty. Um, you know, it could be a little bit closer. Michael Thomas plays. Who knows what you know if he will or not. Um, you know, for Tampa, really the big the big difference was well, there's a couple, I guess. You know, Brady just chemistry wise wasn't there week one. They had a couple turnovers that really hurt them penalties hurt them week one i think this is a different team than week one even though they didn't look great monday night i i think this is a team you know i think this is the bucks team we're gonna kind of see against the packers i think we're gonna see a much much better game from them um be interesting to see how much they use ab in this one but i i think you know tampa is gonna play much better than they did the first time around. Um, they, they even if Mike Thomas did play, I think they only they held them like three catches. Um, but I, I think Tampa at home will be able to find a way to get revenge um, from the week one loss where they looked awful. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens there. So we'll see. We'll see what happens this week. We'll see. What happens, we'll see what happens with our picks. I mean, you're you're right now. You're lead, you're leading. Probably leading CMG. You're you're at eighty seven. You're at eighty seven. You're at eighty one. Thirty seven and one. I'm again. You at 80, 80, 38 and one. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with our picks uh, in, in 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 the in the second half of the year. Yeah, we'll be. Yeah, uh, still somehow one game lead, but I know we have a couple different this week. So oh yeah, we definitely should take the lead this week. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But but we got to go to college football. And we got another another COVID issue in college football. The Wisconsin COVID issue continues as they called off their game, canceled their game this week against Purdue. And really, this is really going to impact this this uh this Big Ten. Uh, it's it's uh it's 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 you know with you know only playing six games. They if they miss uh, actually if they miss. And one more game, they won't even be eligible for the Big Ten championship. So this is a real big impact on, especially the Big Ten West. Uh, how, how are you really going to pick a champion with a bunch of teams playing different games? It's it's going to be really really weird, you know, picking a picking a big uh, uh, Big Ten West champion and having to play, you know, probably and probably having to play Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. So it's just it's just really really weird what's going on right now. But for Wisconsin, you got to do what's the best for the kids. You got to do what's best for the kids. And I give credit to Barry Alvarez. He's doing what's best for the kids. And he's calling games off for the safety of his team. And and and, and, he's, and he's doing the right thing. Yeah, he is. They're up to 27 cases, I believe, at, at, that was as of yesterday. Um, but, yeah, and I, and I think the Big Ten all along, and I think even the Pac-12 probably should have done it. It's too late now. But I think they should have done what the ACC did this year and just make one big conference – and do it what the Big 12 does. The best to go, to, you know, play for the championship. And then you could have done three, four versus each other, five, six, you know, and done it that way instead of division. Because, yeah, you know, I, I think Wisconsin's a really good team. If they all can get healthy, they all come back. Um, you know, I think, you know, Wisconsin's a solid team. They found, kind of found their quarterback. But, yeah, it, it's tough. Like, you know, if they run the table, they go undefeated, they play, um, they play um, six games. They play a seventh, I guess. It's the same amount as a big Pac-12 would be if they all can get their uh, six, seven games in here. But, yeah, it, it's it's tough to tell and, and kind of get a read on teams. But it was smart, you know, and I get it too, because the Big Ten, and one of the reasons why the Big Ten did 21 days kind of to let a player back on the field is the Big Ten medical teams wanted their players to get that third week in so that they could kind of get conditioning and kind of lower the risk for injuries instead of having them kind of come back maybe after a few days of practice and then, you know, play and maybe risk getting an injury instead. So that's why they did the 21 days, which is smart, but at the same time, it's you're missing half the season. Um, but, but it's tough to have back-to-back weeks like this being canceled. That's why it was a tough spot, and they waited too long to start. Yeah, they really should have given themselves some pad. The problem is they gave themselves no pad. They pretty much had to play pretty much eight game, eight regular, eight regular season games and one postseason game, and and they pretty much had to play nine games in nine weeks. They gave themselves no pad, and then and, and that's and that's a and that's a problem. And they just that that's why that was poorly scheduled. I think they should have started probably the week before. I think that would have really really helped the conference doing that. Yeah, you're exactly right. It would have helped out. It would have gave you that leeway. If you do need to reschedule a game, you could do it. But yeah, they didn't give themselves that, and we're gonna probably see the same thing starting this week in the Pac-12. We're probably gonna probably one team I would feel like is good, you know unfortunately probably gonna have the same issue. Yeah, it's just, I mean I, I I 
I would I would want to disagree with you, but I, I don't think I can. It's just it's just it's COVID. Just it keep, continues to spread, and it's it's the, it's going to affect our sport, all, all sports, probably for at least the next probably five to six months. Yeah, you're exactly right. Unfortunately. Yep. But we got to get to the games this week in college football. We're going to, we're talking about some games from, from, uh, from, for, we're going to talk about some Friday night games. And we got the number 11 Miami Hurricanes heading to NC State to face, uh, the, the, uh, NC State Wolfpack. And in this game, I, I think Miami wins. I think De'Ara King plays well. I think he, he, he plays well. I think Miami's defense plays well. And I got Miami winning by two scores over NC State. Yeah. I got Miami 38 to 17. Since NC State lost their starting quarterback, um, Devin uh, Lear, they really struggled. Then back-to-back games, too, they've given up during the rushing yards. Miami loves to be able to run the football on you, and I, I think they're going to be be able to do exactly that in this game. Um, NC State's been banged up, so they just had a bye here to kind of get healthy. So they may get a couple guys back, but it, it won't be enough. Sometimes these Friday night games are weird in college football. Yeah, we saw last week with uh, Maryland beating Minnesota. Yeah, that, w- that was a crazy one. And – uh but I, I still think, you know, Miami should take care of Minnesota on the road, still trying to hunt, get be in the hunt there for the ACC championship game. Got a uh, West Coast, uh, what's this, Mountain West with BYU and uh, Boise State. What's that, a WAC or Mountain West uh, or Interconference? Yeah, Interconference could BYU's an independent. Okay. Oh, they're, they're an independent this yeah. year? Yeah, okay. Because right. yeah, it was weird because I saw Boise State only play two games. Yeah, Mountain West started the same week um, the Big Ten did. Oh, okay. 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 So, but, but interesting game. You got Zach Wilson going to play Boise state and that, this should be a really, really interesting game, but I'm going with the team with the quarterback I know and the better quarterback and I'm going with BYU over Boise state. But do you like Justin, do you like Boise state though? Do you think they should be 21st rank 21st? Uh, you know, what I saw from um, last week, they can, again, they could score points. They gave up 400 yards rushing though against air force last week, which does worry me a bit, but they're still, you know, their offense again is, is still, they got some explosiveness on, on offense. Um, but I am going to take BYU to go on the road and get the win 35 to 31. Zach Wilson was actually a Boise State commit at one point, decommitted after he got a scholarship to BYU. Um, so he knows he's kind of coming to this game with, you know, Boise kind of going to give him some noise here for decommitting. But this BYU team is for real. They really step on the gas. And then uh, a great story, too, is um, Dax Mellon, who was a former walk-on, leads the team this year with, like, 42 catches and six touchdowns. Um, He's explosive. Um, They also have um, Gunnar Rodney, who's one of their top guys as well. So BYU, this team's for real. And this is their one kind of – you know, they were supposed to play Army and was at the time the top 25 team. That got canceled. This is their one really showcase game here against a top 25 opponent to kind of show what they're made of. And I I believe in this BYU team. I, I think they're a really good team. Boise State, um, um, the quarterback is a question in this game. It's either Jack Spears played last week. He played well, the USC transfer, or it's going to be Hank um, back, uh, Backemeyer, who played week one but um, was out last week. It was like this um, – they didn't really announce why, so that's a question of who's playing quarterback, but I'll take BYU on the road. The Pac-12 is back, and a rare 9 a.m. start for both these teams as Arizona State faces USC. I know Herm Edwards will have his team playing. I like Marvin Lewis as the defensive coordinator, but I got to go with the more talented team. I'm going with the Trojans over the Sun Devils. 
I'm actually going to take the upset here. I'm going to go with Arizona State. Ooh. I think the winner of this game wins the Pac-12 South. Wow. And I, and I like Arizona State better than USC. I like the, I think it's coaching-wise. I think um, I really like Herm Edwards, what he's done. Um, they um, Jaden Daniels coming in. They brought in a new OC, Zach, um, Zach Hill from Boise State to kind of – um, and it's going to be more tailored to Jaden Daniels' type because, you know, he can, he's a dual-threat type of quarterback. They did lose um, their top back, you know, Benjamin and Brandon Ayuk, but they got some young weapons. Their secondary is very, very deep, and I think they make enough plays to beat USC. I just don't know about Clay Helton. There's a new AD. I think there's a new president. It is a make-or-break year for him. Caden Slovis played well last year as a, as a freshman. Um, they, they got – it's a running back high committee when that when they do run the ball. It's you know, they got three or four guys they can go to. Tyler Vaughn and Ahmad um Ross, St. Brown are two of the best wide receivers. You know, they're two of the top wide receiver core in the country, I feel like. But this team gave a lot of big plays. Todd Orlando, I don't remember you remember he used to be the D coordinator at UConn while Randy was here. Um so he, he um so I do like him, but he didn't really get any spring or summer here to bring in his new, you know, kind of game plan here for USC really strong defensively. I think Arizona state makes enough plays. And then I, and then kind of last thing, I think this is smart by the back pack 12 to do these um, 12 o'clock kicks. I know it's 9am locally, but there's no fans this year. If your ratings are good, this is going to be a permanent thing. Um, instead of these 10, 10 30 kickoffs where nobody on these coast is really watching much. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there. I mean, I think it's a little too early to have kids get up and play at 9 a.m., but we'll see. If the ratings are good, they're probably going to continue to do it, but I disagree with it because I just don't think kids should be getting up at 9 a.m. to play a, to play a college football game. But we got to go to the uh, Big Ten, and we got uh, Michigan and uh, Indiana. And, yes, I'm not being a sour sport because Indiana you know, beat Penn State, but I do think Michigan wins this game because even even though Indiana beat Penn State, they were not great offensively in that game. And I do think Michigan bounces back this week. I think this is a close competitive game, and I'm going to go with Jim Harbaugh and the Wolverines to beat Indiana. I'm going to go with another – I guess, you know, I'm going to rank it just not an upset, but I'm going to go with the team that's the underdog. You like you like Michael Penix, Jr. I do, and I don't like Jim Harbaugh right now. I just – I don't – and I don't like the defense. I don't know how much you watch, but – they, you know, they didn't make any adjustments defensively, and they just left their cornerbacks on an island last week, and they didn't really ever go zone. They just kept sticking to man-to-man. I don't know if Michigan's going to change their philosophy this week. I'm anticipating they're not. Um, I think Indiana makes enough plays offensively, and they've been great. I know Michigan has not turned the ball over yet, but Indiana has forced six turnovers, and they've capitalized scoring 27 points off of them. If Indiana could force some turnovers, they're very good at capitalizing off of them. I think they'll be able to do the same thing this week. And I think I think they'll make Joe Milton be- Joe Milton's been good. I don't you know if you really can't put much blame on for last week. Um and then Indiana has lost 24 straight games in the series. I think it's time to um you know, I-, I think they'll break it this year, that streak finally. And then the last thing is too, I Graham mentioned this a couple weeks ago. There's strength and this is just credit to Tom Allen and how and how he's really built this program. Their strength and conditioning coach um last year. Nick Stevens took him, you know, took their uh, Indiana's old strength and conditioning coach back in January. So you know he's doing things right when Nick Saban's coming and taking guys from your program. 
He absolutely is. You, you know he absolutely is doing things right when that happens. But we got to go to a huge, huge SEC matchup with uh, Florida and Georgia. This is a top 10 matchup. I think the loser, the winner of this game is in the driver's seat to win the SEC East. The loser is done and out of, and out of contention for the college football playoff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to steal a line from David Pollock uh, that, he, that he stole on college game day, uh, but he said on college game day uh, uh, last week. And I think he's re- referring to the college game when he says this. Defense doesn't win championships anymore. And I think this this is going to be true in this game because I think that Kyle Trask is a better quarterback than Stenson Bennett. And, that, and that's going to be the reason why Florida wins this game. And I got Florida upsetting him. I got Florida winning. Like, like I, got, I got Trask and Pitts having a big game. Stenson Bennett will make some plays, but I think he'll make some mistakes just like he did against Alabama. And I got I got I got Florida winning this game. I got I got Florida winning it 27-24 over Georgia. If there's a year for Florida to beat Georgia, this is it. Yeah, I'm with you. I took Florida to win the SEC East this year. So if they want to win the East, they got to win this game. So I'm with Florida. Both teams are missing defensive starters. You know, um, for Florida, they're missing Zachary Carter, Antoine Powell. Georgia's missing five defensive players this week. Um, so they're really banged up. And I think that's really going to help out Florida, especially one of them is their starting safety, um, Richard LeCounty, who had 13 tackles last week and forced a fumble. He was in a, uh, accident on saturday night i believe um so hopefully he does you know he's doing well but i think you know i think this is the year for florida they they gotta win this year and dan bowl in the last few weeks has not really um has been popular with the national attention with what some of the stuff he's been doing um and i you know as long as Florida can get to the quarterback and they can get off the field on third down the one issue, the one worry I have for this game is Florida doesn't have a running game like Alabama does, where they kind of can counter off that. If they can't do, if Florida can't do that, they're in trouble. But I think they'll do it well enough with Georgia missing, you know, half their defense of starters, and I think they'll be able to pull it out finally for Gator fans. Pac-12 matchup in Eugene this week as Stanford plays Oregon, and I. I don't know as much about – I don't. I haven't really followed Stanford much in the offseason. Uh, Oregon, I think, is going to be a really good team again because they do get the running back coming back, uh, C.J. Verdell. Uh, they got the really good left tackle, and they got the really good left tackle too. So I think this is a game where Oregon wins by two scores because Stanford's coming off a 4-8 and eight season. I think that program's kind of falling off. I like David Shaw, but I think the program's falling off. I got Oregon beating Stanford. Yeah, I got um, Oregon as well in this one. I got a 28-21. to Um Stanford last year, the first losing season since 08. So it's been a while. Um, you know, and they, and they lost a lot of guys that, you know, left and grad transferred somewhere else. Um, Oregon did lose a couple of pieces that opted out. And so, I, I you know, in the certain quarterbacks in question right now, it's either going to be Anthony Brown, the BC transfer, transfer or Tyler Shaw, or show shoe the sophomore one of those two are going to be the, the starting quarterback that hasn't been announced yet um but they got johnny johnson back who had seven touchdowns last year they got you know cj verdell was a thousand yard rusher last year so i think oregon early on this is going to be close but i think the ducks should be able to pull it out we got the game of the night as clemson i know they're not going to have a trevor lawrence clemson Go to Notre Dame to face the Irish, and uh, I'm not going to even pronounce his last name. I'm just going to say DJ. And I, what? Here's the first time I remember DJ. I watched that Netflix documentary for Saint. Uh, he went to Saint Bosco Prep in California, and Real Mitchell left the team, and DJ became the starter. And then, and I think since then he's just completely taken off. But I think this game is a close, competitive game. But here's the thing: 
I think Notre Dame lost too much on offense. I think they missed Clay, uh, Chase Claypool. I, mean, I think they missed Cole Komet on offense. And I think Clemson's got the better offense. And even though they don't have Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to take Clemson to win this game. I got Clemson winning it close, even though there's a very good chance both these teams will play again in the ACC championship game. Yeah, I would love to. Yeah, I want to take Notre Dame in this one, but I just I don't think their offense is good enough to beat Clemson. I think it's 28 or I have it 27 20. Um, I would not be shocked to see Notre Dame knock these guys off. The one thing is, though, Tyler Davis was out for Clemson last week. They were also missing two other defensive linemen. If they are out and Notre Dame is able to, because Notre Dame right now, they're more of like a power running team, which is, you know, we really haven't seen from Notre Dame in the last few years. But, it, it you know, and their offensive line is one of the best in the country. I think Clemson's going to have to – Yeah, no, Notre Dame is O-line you. Ronnie Stanley, Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson. There's no debate. Notre Dame, Mike McGlinchey. There's no, de- no debate. Notre Dame is O-line you, Denver, in my Wisconsin. opinion. Wisconsin, I think, has 24 offensive linemen right now in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denver and Notre Dame are right there. Yeah. Um, but, it, you know, it, Notre Dame – I said this a couple weeks ago when they when Clemson played Miami. Notre Dame does not have a guy that could stretch the field against, against Notre Dame. I mean, against Clemson. You know, as you mentioned, they missed a Claypool in this game. Um, they really haven't had that guy step up yet, and I think that's where they struggle in this game. Um, for Clemson, what Clemson team were you going to get? You know, they should have probably lost last week. They didn't play very well against Syracuse. I know they still won by 26. They didn't play well in the first half against Virginia. They didn't really play well in the first half either against Miami. They're going to have to play a good 60 minutes. This is a good Notre Dame team. They can't sleepwalk in here and expect, like, what – they did the Nordian a couple years ago in the college football playoff and beat them 30 to nothing. This is going to be a tough one. Um, but I think Clemson just has a little bit too much for them. Yeah, it should be, it should be a great one on Saturday night between those two teams. But we're going to wrap up the show talking, talking about a little bit of baseball. And we'll start in New York with the, Yan- the Yankees. Obviously, you saw Britain's option. They picked up Britain's options. Hap and Gardner's options were declined. And for me, I, 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 agree, I agree there. I totally agree with it. Hap and Gardner are too old. To let, let, let them walk. And I'm really happy Zach Britton's back because I think there's a very good chance he could be the closer next year. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely the Hap one kind of saw a mile coming a mile away. Britton, yeah, definitely, you know, definitely would love to see him take that closer role in next year. Um, Guardy too. Um, but I did hear this on Guardy. It sounds like they're trying once again to bring him back. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. But like on a cheap deal. No, no, no. Take time away from Frazier. No, no, no. Please, please, no. I know. I I definitely agree. Clint should be the starting lefty loader. I wouldn't mind it if he comes off the bench and just be the lefty bat and comes in pitch runs. I wouldn't mind if he wants that um, that role. I wouldn't mind it then. As long as it's a cheap deal and you, you, you got the cash for it. You're not taking away from like a DJ and me or anything. Yeah, I'll take it, but I don't want him platooning with Frazier all the time. I want Frazier to be in the lineup all the time. No, yeah, Clint. Clint definitely needs to be the everyday uh, left fielder now from now on. And they do bring him back. I would hope that he's yeah, more of a guy just comes off the bench, maybe plays like once a week or pitch runs or something, or just a lefty back. We don't have a ton of that either. Yeah, if 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 they do sign him, I would take him for that. But I don't want him taking time away from Frazier. I just don't want that happen. Yeah, definitely. It's fine. Yeah, Frazier definitely deserves his time. Absolutely, absolutely. But we got another big move in New York, and watch out, NL East. The Steve Cohen has bought the Mets, and I'm telling you, this guy's going to spend some money. 
I'm, I'm telling you, the Mets are not going to be the same old Mets. This guy's going to spend. He's in a big market. I think this is a really good match. And I think the Mets, yeah, people don't want to hear this. I think they're going to be right up there in the NLEs for a while because Steve Cohen, this is this is, this is, a, this is great news for Mets fans. Awesome news for Mets fans. Friday was a great day to be a Mets fan. Yeah, it was. Um, and the crazy and, – and think about this too. He didn't – like all these other owners who lost money this year, he didn't lose any money. He can go out and go sign whoever he wants this offseason. That's a scary thing. All these teams are losing money, but he didn't lose any of it. And it definitely is because now the Mets are um, right up there. And it kind of be – they always had money, but, um, you know, nothing – like they can kind of be the New York Yankees now, the NL East, I feel like. You know, they can kind of go get whoever they want now. Um, so, yeah, for Met fans, I know he was saying – No, it shows us the one year – it's well, the one day a year. It's usually good to be a Mets fan. <laughs> Joe said that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but it may not. You know, uh, you know. I think that yeah, they'll definitely be good for years to come now. Um, but it'll, it'll exciting. You know, I know exciting time for uh, New York Mets fans right now. They have this guy. Absolutely, absolutely. And we got a couple managers and uh, new managers in Major League Baseball. And this year's here's one that was, was weird was the White Sox hired Tony La Russa to be their manager. This this came with a lot, a lot of backlash, especially from the Chicago media. And I, and I don't really understand this either. I know La Russa is a Hall of Fame manager, one of the best managers uh, of our generation. I mean, led the Cardinals to two World Series in 2006 and 2011, led the A's to the World Series in 1989. But uh, I just think this—he was the manager of the White Sox in 1985, and Jerry Reinsdorf is bringing him back to be the uh, to be the to be the uh, to be to be the manager of the White Sox again. I I don't I don't get this. I kind of don't get this move at all. The one thing I might be able to understand about this move is maybe he has a heartbeat for the game and won't rely on analytics enough. But I just think an older manager like this being out of the game for 10 years, even though baseball is a sport where I feel like you could be out for a, for a, for a, for a, for a period of time and it wouldn't, and it doesn't matter as much as like football or basketball, but still, I don't, I don't know how he's going to be able to connect some of the younger stars with uh, Jose Abreu and Eloy Jimenez. But Hey, one thing, the one thing that the positive about this move is maybe you won't rely on analytics. Like, like some of these younger managers do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, he's definitely a guy that's going to go with his gut and probably, you know, tell the analytic guys to go away or something. Um, but yeah, I think this is because Jerry Reinsdorf fired him back in '85. So I, it, this feels like, hey, you know, it did you wrong last time. And this feels like a move too because um, Reinsdorf too is like '85. Larusa is '77. This feels like a two-year thing. Like, okay, let's go win a championship and then you know go off in the sunset. I kind of like the idea. He's been, you know, he was with Dombrowski with the Red Sox, so he's been in the game. Um, I think he was somewhere as well this year maybe, or maybe he was out this year, but he's kind of been in the Red Sox organization the last few years. Um, I I, I kind of like the move. At first, I didn't know what to think of it, but after, you know, after the fact, I, I like it. You know, it's an old school guy. Um, it's definitely going to be interesting how he relates to all these all the younger players. Um you know, but I kind of like it. It's, you know, they want a manager that can get them over the top. And, you know, I know he's been out of the game for a while, but Tony LaRusso can get you the World Series. And he's third all time and wins. And I think he's pretty close to whoever's second. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. That'll be interesting. But the, but the Tigers also hired a manager, and a manager we a lot of us know, A.J. Hinch. Obviously, he's back in baseball after being suspended and fired uh, by the Astros. Uh, because of their cheating scandal. And 
I think what's going to uh, this is all going to depend on Alavila. If Alavila can get the players around AJ Hinch, I think he could win. The problem with AJ Hinch in Arizona was he didn't have the players and he and he wasn't good there. And I think the, the part of him, the good part of what happened in Houston, those he had the players, he had the Altuves, the Correas, the Bregmans, the Springers, he had uh, the Verland, Verlander, uh, uh, Cole. He had the guys around him in Houston, so he was able to win. So Alavila's got to get the players around him. It's, it's probably not going to be – it's probably going to take two to three years for the Tigers to be anywhere near competitive. But if they, if, if Avila can get some players around them, I think this has a chance of working. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, it, you know, it's tough to you – know, I know he served his one-year suspension and all that, but to see him back in the game, you know, you knew he was going to get hired somewhere. Alex Corzine got hired somewhere as well. Um, I guess, you know, kind of punishment that he's kind of got to come back and coach or be a manager of the Tigers. They do, you know, they're kind of bringing up a couple of young talent got like Casey Mize wasn't great. Like they're starting to kind of fill that kind of role here with the younger players. And I think, yeah, definitely going to take another few years here to get them relevant. But um, I know they still have Miguel Cabrera, but he's not the same. I know they're expecting Michael Fulmer to come back, but he's been injured like the last two, three years. He hasn't really pitched since his rookie year, but, yeah, you know, I think if this team could get competitive and, you know, Detroit kind of, you know, it's a passionate baseball town where the Tigers are doing well. So I guess it's a guy, if they can get back to winning, you know, they, they got a shot to kind of be what they were in the uh, early 2000s, late, you know, th- you know, late, two, you know, late 2000s, you know, when they were in the contention, you know, for, for a while in the Yale Central. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week talking week 10 of the NFL season, week 11 of the college football season, and previewing the Masters. Have a great weekend, everybody.